are here with uh, Dr. Ati Ben-Simone, um, who is a neuroscientist at UC Berkeley and studies the effects of sleep and sleep loss. So how does loneliness affect sleep? So what we know so far is that people that report feeling lonely actually have trouble falling asleep and also staying asleep. And when we talk about feeling, people that feel lonely, we mostly talk about a subjective sense of not feeling connected to anyone, of being socially isolated. And it doesn't really matter how many people are around you. Uh, it matters that you don't feel connected to them. And what people are thinking in terms of that affecting sleep is that we basically feel that we should be constantly vigilant because there's no one out there to protect us in sleep is a very vulnerable state. So perhaps what is happening is that we are sort of, if you feel lonely, we sleep with, uh, you can say, one eye open because we're constantly being alert that, you know, maybe we need to defend ourselves. So in the la in, in a study that we've done last year, we've actually also found the opposite uh, connection. So if you take people who are healthy, and don't report chronic loneliness, but you deprive them of sleep, you keep them up the whole night, you see dramatic changes in how they behave towards other people. So when they are sleep deprived, they're less likely to, they're less motivated to engage with other people. And uh, what was even slightly more concerning is that other people were less likely to want to engage with them when they were sleep deprived. Typically, uh, when in human societies, when you see someone who is, uh, I don't know, in pain or, or stress, we're trying to help him. And here we're seeing actually the opposite effect of sleep deprivation. It's pushing people away from you. They don't want to interact with you. And uh, that's alarming. And I think we need to take that into account when we think about how prevalent sleep loss is in colleges and in workplaces these days. So, so basically, just to kind of sum this up, it seems like sleeplessness causes loneliness, loneliness causes sleeplessness, and loneliness and sleeplessness cause people to be less likely to engage with you. Yes, that exactly. right? that's exactly right. Breaking that cycle can actually come from both sides. So now that we know that they have this bi-directional relationship, we don't only have to focus on restoring social relationship, we can also try by restoring sleep, which uh, hopefully is easier to do. Well, so is it easier to do? I mean, I, I know a lot of people have, you know, feel like they can't fall asleep or they have interrupted sleep and, and um, I sleep very well, but, um, but I, I feel like, you know, my fiance doesn't and he always tells me, you don't understand. It's not as simple as just trying to sleep. It's not such an easy question, you're right. I mean, there is, um, there are so many factors that need to happen for us to fall asleep. And some of us are luckier than others in terms of being able to stay asleep. But a lot of the changes in sleep and um, a lot of the, our ability to get a good night's sleep is actually in our hands more than we think. Hmm. And I think modern societies have really pushed us away from our natural rhythms, we can change our behavior when it comes to sleep. So the time we go to sleep, the time we wake up, how much do we let a routine around sleep uh, be constant? For instance, turning off the lights a bit before, 
not working uh, into the late hours, um, sleeping the same amount of time, whether it's a weekday or a weekend. So all of these things really help reinforce the internal rhythm that we have that, is, that primes us towards sleep and wake. And what we have right now it's kind of a weird mishmash where we don't really sleep well and then we're not really alert and then we go for coffee and then that, you know, that cycle again. So what I typically suggest if people want to try and improve their sleep, and I think they should because it really undermines everything we do, is to try a, a sleep reset protocol. That's what I call it. So for instance, you have a week off where you don't have any obligations and then you don't use alarm clocks at all for that week. And you go to sleep the minute you feel tired. After a few days where the body would try to compensate for all the sleep loss that you've accumulated, you would start to find the rhythm that is perfect for you. That means how much sleep you need and also when is the best time for you to pitter. So some people are really easy to fall asleep at 10 p.m some people 11, some people midnight, and that's perfectly fine as long as they're able to get the sleep that they need. And after that week, you would really find answer to both these questions, both when and how much. And once you have that and you stick to it weekday or weekend, you will see that gradually the body and the circadian clock, the internal clock that we have, would start synchronized with that rhythm and sleep would become more consolidated and with better quality. So, so I might be better off sleeping or I might naturally sleep um, at 10 p.m. and best for uh, seven hours where you might be best sleeping at 1 a.m. for nine hours. Exactly. And Which so- very close to how I sleep, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds great. <laughs> But, but so if I, um, if I sleep best at 10 p.m., but I try to sleep, if I watch television till midnight, you're saying that that kind of messes up my natural rhythm. Exactly, because some people would, be, would wake up at 7 or 8 no matter when they went to sleep. So mm -hmm. what happens is that at that time, they wake up and they're already sleep deprived. They already feel that loss of sleep. And also what happens a lot when we stick to a certain routine in the middle of the week, but then we switch to a completely different one in the weekend, it's the equivalent of shifting our body three hours forward in time or backward in time, which means flying from California to New York every weekend. So it's a small jet lag, but it does take its toll because it takes time for the system to synchronize again to the weekday routine. That takes a few days. And then by the time we adjust to the routine, we're flipping again towards the weekend. So all these things, we're not helping. It's, I always like to say that it's like you ride your bike against the wind or with the wind at your back. Mm -hmm. We're not using our internal clock the way we should to help us consolidate our sleep into one epoch and consolidate our awakeness and alertness to another. Disturbances in sleep affect anxiety participants after a night of staying awake are 30% more anxious the next day compared to a night where they slept. So this is not to say that people are not anxious uh, to some uh, degree, even if they have slept, but if they haven't, it's, it's, a, it's a higher degree. And what we've seen when we look at their brain, 
we actually see that without sleep, regions that process emotions in the brain are become, become more activated. And regions that help regulate emotions, uh, specifically regions in the prefrontal cortex, are actually less active without sleep. So what's happening is that we feel perhaps emotional uh, events or challenges, we feel them more strongly and we're less able to regulate them. And this is exactly what happens in, in patients that have anxiety disorders. They, are, they feel that uh, the same event is much more stressful for them relative to someone um, who's healthy. And this uh, profile we can actually trigger in healthy individuals by just taking away sleep. So we're seeing in the brain the exact same profile of that emotional dysregulation when we uh, don't let people sleep for just one night. For just one night. So you could trigger um, kind of a, a pseudo anxiety disorder by restricting sleep for one night. Yeah. And we've also looked at how people uh, fluctuate in terms of their habitual sleep. So at night, we tracked people for four nights and we asked them in the morning how they slept and also how anxious they feel. And we saw that even small changes in, uh, in that sleep quality that we talked about before can also predict that the same association. So if people had poor sleep relative to their usual uh, sleep quality, they felt more anxious the next day. So we're seeing these associations both in large scale, like total sleep deprivation, but also in nightly scales in how people sleep. And um, I think this connection is really important because in many anxiety disorders, 70 to 80% uh, report that they have sleep difficulties. And this is usually considered a symptom so we, we know that people that have anxiety suffer from sleep, but perhaps it's not, it's more than a symptom. Perhaps that sleep disturbances actually maintain and help develop that anxiety disorder to begin with. So it means that we should pay more attention to how these patients sleep and how all of us, the quality of our sleep over time, because if we're chronically sleeping bad, we're actually increasing the risk of developing an anxiety disorder. That's pretty heavy. I know. <laughs> it is. It is. But I think, yeah, it is depressing. But I really think that we've come to um, we've come to a lower the lowest point in our relationship with sleep in in modern societies. Hopefully, one day we will also have technology to help us go there and improve the quality of sleep. What do you mean by that? Like so there are some, um, there are some uh, companies now trying to work on invasive technology. It's not so, it's not invasive, but it, it does try to artificially uh, extend and amplify the slow waves that we have during deep sleep mm -hmm. in order to try and get better quality sleep for participants that cannot. This How does that work? How would they extend those waves? What you can do is, if you know the frequency of them, you can try to send a pulse at exactly the right time that amplifies them. So even though you're getting the same time in bed, uh, during deep sleep, you might be getting more of that deep sleep by way of that technology increasing the slow waves 
that you have in the brain during deep sleep. I mean, I'm sorry, this is beyond my, my understanding. So, so, so how would they send those waves to, how, do, how does that technology work? You can do that using audio signals. So you have audio signals that are played during the night at a very low level, so it doesn't wake people up, but they're played in a certain frequency that exactly matches the frequency of the slow waves. That's one way to enhance them. So think about a, a girl on a swing. Whenever she gets to the swing, you give her a push, and then she goes even higher. So it goes the same idea. The slow wave gets to you, and then you give it a little push to make it higher. Uh, so there are different techniques that people are playing around with today. I'm guessing it will take uh, at least five to six years until these things would be ready. I think that partly our fault as scientists for not conveying the importance and the ramifications of not sleeping enough and having sleep be something you do when you're too exhausted to do anything else. So sort of like a default mode. And it's anything but that. It is a very vibrant state of recovery. And I think that we really need to start appreciating the gifts of sleep and consider that time a time of restoration and recovery that really boosts our potential and, and our health. And not right now, I really feel that people would prefer to just take a magic pill and stay awake for 24 hours. And yeah, that's, for me, it's sort of so disrespectful to the gift that is sleep. That's such a, a refreshing way to look at something that I think um, you're right, people, people think of as kind of a useless activity or a lazy activity, right? I mean, you always kind of yeah. assume that somebody who's sleeping a lot is lazy or that they, you know, they're not uh, contributing as much or whatever it is, but um, kind of flipping that on, on its head to say that that's a pretty useful time and makes whatever waking hours you do have more productive is and kind of turbocharged is, yeah. I think a challenging thought and a necessary one. So thank you. Of course, more productive and also just more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. We are so miserable walking around with, with that sleep loss. Uh, and not just in terms of how we feel towards ourselves, but also how we feel towards others. Well, thank you, Dr. Bensman. I, I really appreciate uh, your time and your insight. I think this has been very helpful. Wow, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.